0: says, get that India, big boy.
1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheep Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for a special edition of the podcast as we break down the SG Ball Grand Final is my good mate, 60s. Always a blast at these special episodes out, 60s, especially when it comes to the junior representatives.
0: Yes, mate. We're going to have this dedicated podcast to the SG Ball Grand Final and we're going to kick it off with a special guest to help us review what's happened in the season so far for all the teams and then dig into this week's Grand Final.
1: And before we get to our special guests. sorry, as always, a shout-out to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, Northmead, and star partners, Narelle Auburn and Parramatta.
0: 60s, Matt, let's get right into it. Nathan, it's a really big week for us with the SG Ball Grand Final and we appreciate your time today in what is no doubt a busy week. Uh, Just before we dive into the Ball Grand Final, we've got a few questions we want to ask about the Gale and the Matt seasons. Uh, first of all, that level of play continues to rise in the Tasha Gale Cup, and the Eels have now made it in back-to-back final series. They fell short by one game on what they achieved l- last year. Do you still regard this year as a success for them?
2: Yeah, look, they had a lot of uh, hurdles to get over the, the, the Tasha Gale. A lot of injuries, you know, before the season started. I think, you know, from what I understand, a couple of their uh, you know, better players were were out injured. So. Um, and then they had their share of trouble early in the year. And, you know, making the finals, I think, I think was a, you know, a good achievement for their team that had a, you know, their compete was probably their best asset. You know, they they certainly, apart from uh, when they played, tumbled into uh, uh, the, the Dogs or the Roosters, you know, they, who were the, the two sides that were obviously the real class sides of the field, any time they, you know, they, they they played the other sides, they either toughed out and got a really good victory or they will ride in it till the death, you know, so... That's a probably a good indication where they're at, and you know, next year we we'll hope for they can grow again. The Lisa Yola Cup made waves this year, going through undefeated in their
1: competition, the four week bracket they run there right now as a development squad. Given those results there, where do you set expectations for the Tash and for next year?
2: Oh well, you would hope you know, looking at you know some of the goals from the. Lisa Fiola, there's some very talented players in that grade. A, a group of girls that have played together for a, a little while, I believe, it, from Down to in Gabby. Um, and there's you know a lot of talent amongst that side there, and some combinations I think from from being together. But I suppose the first thing and first things first is you know it probably was only you know a couple of years ago that securing the girls' talent was probably pretty easy. So securing the talent now is obviously the first challenge for the club, you know. So whilst they're at, they're in the in the club's colours at the moment to get them to stay with you. For goal that presents challenges as well now because, uh, as is the case uh, with all the men's uh, grades, whether it be maths, cup, ball or or first grade, doesn't matter what grade you look at, you know, players are very transient and mm-hmm. there's a lot of agents now in the in the mm-hmm. women's game as well. So, you know, the first thing the keys is, is securing the talent, and then if we can secure the talent, you know, we'd like to think that the, that what they did this year, they could certainly grow on that.
1: Yeah, big time expansion in NRLW means there's four new clubs looking for essentially pipelines of talent to fill out to first grade. So it gets that much more competitive for not just Parramatta but all clubs now, doesn't it?
2: It does. And as the money gets bigger, we know that there's a, a much sort of higher salary cap now in the in the national women's game. So as money gets bigger, the business gets side of it gets uh mm-hmm. takes over a fair bit and players become more transient than they once were. So what lies in store for the girls in the
0: Tasha Gale Cup this year's team? Are they, uh, will some of them join in the pre-season with the NRLW? Oh,
2: that would probably be up to um, uh, Kate Mullally and and Parky. They're sort of running that ship and Dino's head coach, you know, so in amongst that they'll make those decisions um, and whichever ones they run with will all support.
1: Moving on to the Harold Matthews now, Brownie. They put on a clinic in the first week of the finals up against Cronulla, a really... Outstanding defensive game they played there uh, and thereby advanced a week further. Yet this week, or sorry, the weekend past, they weren't quite able to get the same job done against Newcastle. Had a shaky first half, but came home strong, falling just short. Given those sort of results, what kind of post-mortem do you conduct for such a young team?
2: Oh, look, the Mat's Cup, um, you know, going down 18-16, it was three tries apiece and we had a shot at goal with five or six minutes to go to draw level. Yeah, you know, I thought you know, Cronulla were probably the little bit better side, but... Uh, on the, d- oh sorry, um uh, the nights were, were a touch better on the day. Uh, but the Mats Cup side, you know, their games were similar most of the time. You know, the most, you know, the most talented Mats Cup side was Penrith. They were clearly the most talented team on on paper and on on size and athleticism. Um, and when we played them, it was, you know, 16 all and little intercept right at the death. <laughs> and, you know, if we played one of the lesser teams, you know, apart from one or two games, you know, all the games were, Tough and tight, and you know, it's a credit to the way you know the coaching staff and the players all bonded together and, and fought. You know, they really, really were one of the you know one of the more competitive teams I've ever seen and, and been involved with. You know, the way they competed for each other was outstanding. And and as a team, you know, they had their areas of strengths and areas of weaknesses, and and they certainly um they certainly disguised some of their problems with with sheer effort and commitment for each other. So I, I thought, obviously disappointed that they didn't advance, but. I thought with where they're at and how they competed for each other, I thought, you know, all their staff and the playing group did a terrific job.
0: Well, you said at the start of the season that they were a side that you enjoyed watching. So what sort of qualities would you hope that they retain as a team? And and what do you think they maybe need to attain as either a team or as individuals, just to take that step further?
2: Oh, probably you, you, you'd want that togetherness and competitiveness. You know, they were a they competed terrific, and if if that you know if there's sort of I think there's about half a dozen boys or maybe one or two more that were that played some footy that year. If they can help keep that with the next crop of players that could come, and there's some quite talented players that are that are going to be coming into that match Cup next year, from what I understand, if they can keep that competitiveness and add a little bit more talent to it, you know there's a you know there's a a good opportunity from to to you know put themselves in a position like the side did this year to to advance.
1: Will you be looking to include a group of the Mat's players in the Jets program this year?
2: Ah, uh, yeah. There's some sort of things. We're just sort of going through that at the moment, and we'll wait till the uh, to the ball go out to officially sort of knock over where we're going to go out there after the GF. So in the next sort of week or so, we'll we'll probably tidy that sort of stuff up. You know, they got their school stuff on, and
1: that, that was the other thing I was going to ask. What else is there for them? School stuff? Yeah, well,
2: there's a lot of those boys got their school footy, haven't they now? So schoolboy representative stuff as yeah, well. So yeah, that's sort of that space is very different to what it was many years ago because of the amount of football the kids have with school footy and their weekend footy, you know, so it's a, it's a balanced act for the club and, you know, in the past the club's had the sort of a one night a week for a, for a sort of six or eight week block where they've obviously dealt with the first grade coach which is great for any of the kids, so um, we'll work those numbers out and which kids will will advance to the Jets and which kids, you know, will, will hopefully be a part of the club but in, maybe in some other area. Now, we're going to
0: shift to the SG ball because it's a big week. It's a grand final week. During the season, they had really big matches against the Raiders and the Panthers, but we literally got thumped in a couple of those games, like big, bigger score lines than what they'd, they'd had where they'd beaten every other team, I think, apart from those two teams. But we saw a vastly different kind of performance on the weekend against one of those teams, against the Raiders. What do you put that down to, that, that big
2: difference? obviously their defensive resolve on the goal line in particular has really really come a long way you know, and, you know, in their two biggest games of the year obviously Canberra on the weekend who as you said got us the the uh, earlier in the year and sort of did a good job on us uh, ended up being minor premiers, premiers Canberra and they certainly looked the team to beat in that grade um, yeah. at that time um, and then the week before against uh, West who have understands got a lot of the boys that played in the Mats Cup that won last year and a fair few full time players like some of our bikes were early in the year. They were very uh a very offensive based team who could really score and had some you know some quite talented players, you know, and and the the goal line defense in those two games, you know, was probably the real highlight well well one of the two highlights for me. The other one was that, you know, the team probably getting to like being able to consistently I suppose, get to a kick and give Ethan Sanders a chance to control the game with his kick and that's something that Ethan's improved this year because he's naturally a very, very good kicker of the ball and having a good kicker, not using, it's not a smart thing, so having a good kicker and using him a little bit more regularly by, with yep. just on the back of your ball control has been pleasing and Ethan's sort of learning to manage games. He's only a kid and he's, he's sort of slowly understanding that you know, when you have got a tool there that's that good if you. If you use it well and use it smart, it makes the game a lot easier than what it does if if you
1: don't. There were some parallels to Mitchell Moses there, wasn't there, with his ability to control a field position
2: with those long clearing kicks. very, very good natural, technically ball. When I say natural, i talking to him. He did start a work on his kicking many years ago, Brett Camorley, because I wondered how he kicked it so sweet. But I'm sure there is an element that he uh, inherited from mum or or dad from the genes (laughs) and then there's a bit of practice in there as well. But he certainly strikes the ball well and... Something that um, all all good teams and all winning teams generally have a good kicker. And you
1: already touched on it, Brownie, but defence was the order of the day on Saturday. That obviously want to be a key focus moving forwards up against the Newcastle uh, Newcastle Knights, sorry, yes, in the SG Ball uh, Grand Final. Uh, But what else are you looking for the team to be doing on Grand Final Day? What else does it take to win a Premiership in this grade?
2: Oh, look, the things they've highlighted in the. Yeah, and in the last two games, you know, their, their kick chase games been, you know, kicking games been very good. Their chasing game on the weekend to, to you know, to shut down Chevy Stewart, you know, to, to not provide him with any space was very good. And then their goal line defense, you know, those those two ingredients if they can do that really, really well again. They're going to give themselves a chance because you know Newcastle's, again, you know, when when the finals come around and you looked at the uh, at the uh, ball competition, you know, Canberra were obviously the team two beat and they ran first and if you run first you obviously have done a little better than all the other teams and um, but when you looked at it on paper and you watch other teams play it was you know if if the Roosters played fifth place team it wouldn't have surprised you if the Knights played um, Parramatta it wouldn't have surprised you if one and two went through it wouldn't have surprised because there's it was actually quite a, a close competition close competition the top, there's obviously yeah. a fair bit of talent scattered around those teams that were in the top six so it was a pretty even sort of top six you know and yeah you know, thankfully for for the eels the boys sort of they got some really key things right on their on their two days so far the
0: knights are a bit of an unknown to us because the eels haven't played them at all this year uh we are familiar with the name miles martin because he was with the the club prior what do you know of the strengths of the newcastle team
2: they oh, they got some very talented players um you know they got a fair number of players who you know can beat people make you know make the defense miss you know yeah, you know, their ed- both their edge back roles look, look likely. Um I think one of them boy young boys is from Penrith. Um the fullbacks, you know, a wonderful support player. He turns up on multiple plays and he's got the mullet like Pappenhouse and he runs <laughs> like him, you know, like yeah, like he's quick. Yeah, you know, the you know, both the centers again can really beat their beat their, beat their opponent really well, you know. Um Miles Martin was here who, who obviously a lot of people around here are probably a lot more aware of than myself yeah so they' they've got some some really tunneled plays in their team and you know the pleasing thing for for both sides is and you know with the canberra team last week um and the and the roosters team and and the west team that we beat the week before you know the kids there's groups of kids in all these sides that if they maintain some discipline and make the right sacrifices you know there's I'm seeing numbers of first graders in all the clubs mm. and that's ultimately winnings the the, the great thing for the boys that are a part of it, for Stevie O'Day and his coach and staff who have put so much so much of their time into them. You know, it's that, oh, winning's the ultimate thing for them and they'll have that memory for their life. But at the end of the day, for the football club itself, it's, have they got first grade players in it? And I'm seeing for the Knights and Parramatta this week, there's, there's numbers of players for both teams that will one day play first grade, whether it be with... The club they're at at the moment, or whether it be somewhere else, but there's definitely a handful of first graders getting around, which is which is the whole idea of the competition.
1: We had a look back at the last time the Eels won the SG Ball Premiership in 2017, which was Dylan Brown's class, and yeah. for both Cronulla and the Parramatta Eels, there was a serious amount of first grade talent running around that team, so yeah. it's not a guarantee, is it, but it's a good indicator of... of
2: oh, look, if, if the if the competition's pretty reasonable, which is said it's the first time I've Watched a lot of SG ball for a, for a number of years when I was at the Knights. I watched a r- little fair bit of a Mat's Cup there one year. We had a good Mat's Cup team, but so I'm, I wasn't, you know, I'm not probably the best at judging whether it's a really good comp or not, but you know, that top six teams, to me, there's players in each each club where, I reckon if they were available on the market... That'd be pretty popular. An, one yeah. of 16 <laughs> clubs at all, I'll take it, yeah. because they're a genuine chance of playing first grade, and, and that's, that's really pleasing. And there's some ones who you know, you go, I'm pretty confident this bloke will definitely play first grade and there's a handful of blokes here with the right attitude and a bit of luck given the right opportunity. They're a chance of making it, you know. So it's pleasing for the game and it's pleasing for the, you know, in particular for the holding clubs that have got those players because, you know, ultimately if they're at your club, you're, you've you got a better chance of keeping them than, than, than probably going and signing them.
0: But That's still the challenge, isn't it, keeping the talent, especially well, when you've got, you know, like a, a number that fit into either the,
2: yeah, they'll make it, well, they're a chance yeah. too. Well, back in the day, you know, this is—it's so different now the way it worked. You know, many, many, many years ago. So, if we go back to my time, um, if I played hooker and there was another really good hooker, is no one cared? You just all did your best and you played reserve grade or you played twenty ones and you bided your time. You know, where, where now, if you know, look, if you look at the Knights, for example, they've got two really good centers. I think one of them's out with the head knock this week. He's not playing. So they've got two really good centers. And They look in front of them and see Dan Gaga and Bradman beston yeah. you know, and then people would tend to want to move them to get them there quicker these days, you know whether it be agents or parents yeah, or yeah. the or the or the kid you know there's a real lack of patience amongst kids, so they they tend to move you know like we've got young Ethan Sanders who's looking a real likely prospective we, you know I don't like to you do give any too many of the kids too many rapshakes you want them to keep pretty level, but he's looking a likely prospect well, the two halves in front of him have just signed up for five years and eight years, so yeah. You know, so sometimes pathways don't help, but you know, in the case of a lot of these young kids, hanging around a, a little bit longer will benefit them longer term. You know, you look at mm. you look down at Melbourne, young Jonah Pezzett, is, he was at the Knights and won a Mats Cup competition when I was at the Knights there and played some good footy. He's been in Melbourne now, and last year he was obviously the New South Wales 19s and did really really well. And I'm sure he could have picked a number of clubs to go to, but. He chose to stay at Melbourne and actually play behind Jerome Hughes and and Kevin Munster, Munster, which I think is great advice, whoever gave it to him, whether it was dad, agent, mum, whoever it was, it's great advice for him because his time will come. He's played a little bit of first grade now and he'll play more Q Cup and, you know, the best example of it is Harry Grant, how good a player he is and he wasn't playing first grade at all. He paid his dues, He probably would have been at some other clubs but because he had a couple of internationals ahead of him, he had to bide his time and now, now he's... One of our real star exactly. players, you know, so... Even That's at Parramatta, good.
1: we saw Murata, right? He, he paid his dues in reserve grade for the Eels yeah. and became out a better player for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think we're ever going to see the days of, like, uh, Maxi Krillich biding his time behind Fred Jones. No, I think... I think setting a record for a <laughs> number of reserve <laughs> grade think,
2: days. But I think the guy... And, and us as clubs, too, we play a part there, too, don't we? Because, you yeah. know, yeah, if, if we've got a bit of a hole as a centre going forward, you, you and you, you recognise that there's a real good one at Parable, or a real good one, sorry... Newcastle, we go off, we go and say, well, Aggressive mate, you come here, mate, mm-hmm. we've got a bit more of an opening for you, we yeah. stay. there, there's no opening for you, mate, because those two blokes, so we all play our the part in it, that the, way, e- exactly. everyone plays their part in making it more transit, whether it be clubs, coaches, agents, recruiters, we're, we're all as bad as each other in, in, in the way that it unfolds, but at the end of the day, sometimes I think the kids and the parents and the agents being a little bit more patient mm. gets a lot more longevity and a lot more consistency out of the play, you know, but. As I said, awesome. we all play our part, though. Yeah.
1: So let's put the spotlight back on the Eagles, Brownie. You've already mentioned defence, the kick and the kick chase. But what premiership winning qualities do you see in the team that's going to take the field on Saturday, whether it's on an individual level? I know you said you don't want to give too many plaudits out to players, but uh, whether it's individual or as the collective team.
2: Yeah, look, I think, you know, you know whatever happens in, in this week's game, you know, obviously both sides have got, whenever they play grand finals, there's obviously players on... Either the team that are of higher quality, naturally. That's always the case, you know. So, you know, the team whose best players play well are going to are gonna, give, you, gonna we, uh, give them the best chance so of winning. It comes
1: yeah. back to what we were discussing, is like, you know, oftentimes league is a simple game, isn't it? You know, you can get overcomplicated talking about yeah. structures and attacking yeah. weaknesses. So
2: you know. Last week, you know, last week, you know, some of the, you know, all the guys contributed very, very well, but the blokes who have been reasonably dominant from like Ethan kicked the ball very, very well. Yeah, you know, really well. Big Sam Tulliverdi and Lance got him over the advantage line. Well, Matty Arthur played. You know, so you go through them and the guys that have played some decent footy from all year all played some good footy last week. You know, and you know, so you, you, you know the Knights will need you know their their better players to play well if they're going to win, and we need our better players to play well. And then you support staff. You know, the the blokes who, who are hard workers and tough workers they need to hold their gloves up. So no one flukes a green final win, but no. if, you, if your best players don't play well. You just don't win. That's the way it is.
0: Part of their experience this year was um, getting a bit of time in the NRL pre-season. Do you think that's been a, a factor for them in the across the longevity of the season? And, and if, if so, is that something that's coming up for discussion going um, forward? For
2: Well, I, firstly, I think from my understanding, you know, there's a number of clubs that did that this year because... The, World the circumstances on, and, yeah. and the circumstance, and then obviously a, a lack of num- you need bodies, of, right? Yeah, lack of numbers, so they picked out their best place. So I think a few clubs did it. Um, is it something that Parramatta's going to do next year? That's oh, you're talking to the wrong person. I'm too mm. far down the pecking order to talk to that. <laughs> to be honest with you, so I can't answer that question. Uh, has it benefited the players that done it? I, I can't. I can't see a reason why how it's not going to help them. It's yeah. got to help any time you're dealing with. First grade coach and all his staff, the full time staff, there's got to be a benefit there. Um, and for all of our boys, they all, you know, they all came back with great attitudes. The only one, Blaze, had a he busted his foot the last That's session. Right. So out of all of ours, you know, Blaze got a bit of an injury, which probably ultimately probably held him back a little bit. But all the others came back sound and trained really well. And, and the other pleasing thing for, for Parramatta was is that all the boys that come back, their attitude coming back they didn't see it as a demotion they saw it as an opportunity to play together and, and and hopefully achieve something together you know which they're they're a chance of doing on saturday
1: that was a timely name drop for blaze <coughs> because like you mentioned he sat out most of the regular season with the foot injury uh, that he got late in the preseason. he's moved from the five eighth position to the centers because that back line is obviously pretty well stocked he's making a real fist of it out there on the edges though isn't he
2: yeah look i've you no, know, every sort of where I'd pot around, you bump into someone from a club. You know that all last when Blaze was playing. So I said to him one day, I said, "You must be a bloody half decent player because everyone keeps asking about you." So, <laughs> so, and a lot of people have uh, said to me since he's been playing, "What's his best position?" Well, I haven't seen enough for Blaze to make a prediction. But of what's his best position? But um, what I do know is, is he's a he's got plenty of talent, and you know, playing right center is certainly what suits uh, the team he's in at the mm-hmm. moment, and he's certainly making a fist of it. And could he start his career in that spot? There's no reason why he couldn't start his career there. And over the journey and over the years, there's many people who've started their careers in the centres and ended up up great 5.8s and ended up great edge back rollers, ended up front rollers. you know, so it's a... (laughs) For the rim wikis out there. (laughs) Oh, there's a host of, you know, all the best 5.8s in the 80s and 90s all kicked off their first grade career in the centres, you know. So there's a million people that have played centres that... And he did a couple of years, there and then transitioned other positions. So yeah, you know, Laurie Daly. Was, yep. so, yeah, 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 I'm not sure what the what the head coaches and their staff's plans are for Blaze position wise. That's something for them to discuss. It's a good um, problem to have, though, isn't it? But well, well, he's he's a, he's a talented young kid, and he's a, again he's a good trainer. He's a kid that you know, obviously everyone's got some good hope for. You know,
1: win or lose on Saturday though, this season is far from over for the vast majority of the SG Ball players. Jersey Flegg is obviously next term, uh, next step up, sorry, in terms of Internal development. Uh, what else lies ahead in terms of potential representative honours for the boys from the ball group?
2: Yeah, look again. You know, I, I can't answer that. Quite, the flag bit's obviously yeah. one, but other other honours after that's probably again out away from me or out of my ballpark. But and again, which ones play flag this year? Um, you know, flags <coughs> um, quite a. It's a bit. Different in Flag you now. I've been under twenty ones. There's quite some mature players there, so I think we'll have a fair number of kids that will probably train with Flag. Uh, will all of them play? They might not all play, but hopefully, over the course of the journey, the the coach and the staff see you know see see fit to use different ones at different stages and and get them ready for obviously for for not only next year but years down the track. But there'll definitely be a good number of kids that will train with them. And who plays, obviously, you know, different people's bodies are at different stages of development. There's there'd be a few kids there who we wouldn't want to play, who I wouldn't yeah, want don't to play. Yeah, don't just throw them into the fire. Yeah, who I wouldn't want to play at this stage because they could probably spend some more time on their body but could still train them. Where there's other kids like Ethan and Blaze and that that you'd obviously think would go to that level. Ethan's already done it very yeah. well at level, you know. So, yeah, they're all different and they all need to be treated different.
0: Uh, we've spoken to you before about the the Eels balancing that, um, the, the balancing act between recruiting and external um, catchments and looking after their own nursery is this year's SG ball
2: team like close to the model that oh, t- to look, have that balance right I, I, I'm not sure if there's a model or a balance on any given um, I suppose group of players you know what I do know is um, you can never have too many good players and, and you're best off looking at them and looking for them you know so um, yeah, you know, obviously there's a couple of out of towners playing in the ball. Um, is the balance right this year? If they win the comp, it doesn't make it right. If they lose it, it doesn't make it wrong. You just need to make sure that you know for the recruiters they've got their plan and they know you know where the squad's short and they're targeting that position. You know, like you wouldn't go and buy a half-back to try and take Ethan Sanders as well because yeah, you've exactly. got a good one there who's a local. And if you're going to bring a outsider, in, if you like to put it like that. You want to make sure he's better than what you got in your own backyard, but I, I wouldn't think there's any flattened hard rule. But you certainly want to obviously give your local kids a real good hope when you got a good a good junior nursery. But you certainly can't just survive on your and you you need to be out there working hard because you know the clubs these clubs that are at the top of the table, you know, they're all out there working hard, and if you're not working hard, i will always always catch you with your pants down.
1: Now I'm not sure if there still is a national championship game after the grand final this week. There used to be, but if not, win or lose, the junior reps wrap up, end of this weekend, with the Eels either taking the premiership or not. But on a personal note, where does your attention go to now, Brownie? What happens um, for you?
2: Well, I'm, yeah, I'd like to go up and I'll do a little bit of work, particularly with the assistant coach in the flag, um, do a bit of work with them, hopefully, and do some video stuff with them and with some different different players. Um, uh, with the, the women's, the national women's, I'm going to be playing a, a small part there with uh, uh, Dino and Kate and parking that. They want me to do a small sort of play a little small role there. So I'll do a little bit there and um, whatever else pops along, pops along, I suppose. But they're going to keep you busy, they said. <laughs> That's a beautiful way to wrap it up, Ronnie. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, fellas.
1: Yeah, a massive thanks to Nathan Brown there, 60s, for taking the time out of his week to not just preview this grand final with us, but also talk about the junior representative programs in 2023 as a whole.
0: Yeah, really appreciative of his time. And now let's dig into our thoughts on the grand final.
1: Yeah, let's quickly go through the team list as always, 60s, because that's where it's going to start. Uh, this one is kicking off at 2.30 p.m. out at Leichhardt Oval. If you can't get out there, uh, you can catch this one on New South Wales Rugby League TV or on TCT via our live updates. We'll quickly go through this Newcastle lineup 60s. There is one notable name that we will we can pick out pretty easily. Uh, but starting at fullback for them, they've got Fletcher Sharp on the wings, Kyle Colburn and Kyle McCarthy, a pair of Kyle's there. In the centers, Ethan Ferguson and Logan. O'ale. A- okay? A- OK? Uh I think that's how it's going, Logan. Sorry about that, mate. In the halves, uh, Jai Lanane and Taj Blackman. Uh, front row, Rory Whitby and Caleb Garvey are the bookends. Uh, Malachi Smith at dummy half. Now, he's a big one. Uh, in the back row, you've got Elijah Celesi, or Moana, I think. And then uh, Jermaine McEwen. And then the captain of this team, well, this one's a familiar face, 60s, but Miles Martin, who was an outstanding middle forward for us, got poached by the Newcastle Knights, leading this team. In the SG Ball Grand Final, on the interchange, they've got Cooper Bagheni, uh, Tamika Moana, uh, Wario Rere, I think. That, that is an absolute mouthful. I'm sorry about that one. But Jaden Harris and Bo Slade round out their uh, interchange bench. Bailey Carmichael is their reserve player. For the Eel 60s, this is uh, pretty much their full-strength lineup uh, outside of maybe LeBron, who's obviously injured. They're uh, really packed in this starting team, though. They've had a bit of balance on the bench in the last few games. Uh with uh, some of their, you know gun players in the interchange, they've gone all out this time, though. Starting team is loaded up, which means at fullback, you've got uh, Arpa Tweedle on the wings, Devontae Vivella and Mohamed Alameddine. In the centres, Richard Penassini and Blaise Tulung, who's making an absolute... Uh, well, he is just burning it up in the centres, isn't he, after making that transition from 5 to the centre-free quarter line. In the halves, though, you've got Joshua Lynn and Ethan Sanders. Front row, this is where we start seeing those uh, loaded-up changes, 60s. Lance Four Lima, and Sam Tuovati. Both of them were outstanding. Sam especially, though, last week uh, against the uh, Canberra Raiders. Matthew Arthur, also outstanding that game. He's a dummy half, as always. In the back row, Dom De Stratis is on one edge. Charlie Geimer, the other. And Saxon Pryk at lock forward, which means that's how they've managed to fit in all these gunplay 60s, is getting Charlie on an edge. And that keeps Saxon and Sam in that starting rotation. On the interchange, you've got Seb Piacala, William Lewis, Patrick Spence, and the final man is Raf DeStratis, who comes back from a concussion that saw him miss the game against Canberra. The uh, extended roster features Sam Squire and Kobe Herford. So two very, very good teams here, obviously. Uh, we mentioned this in our uh, preview of the final of the two finals last week for the and Boar. But in both grades, you saw the top four teams in the the uh, grand final qualifying brackets. So the top seeds got through, in this case, the Eels uh, and the Knights. Well, the Eels were the fourth seed, I think, in the SG ball, right, the 60s?
0: Correct, yeah, Yeah. by so
1: they They've uh they've come through on the lowest bracket there, but uh the Newcastle Knights by the same token were in the third slot with the less wins actually. They had two draws. Uh but it's better for and against the Parramatta eels. So one of those quirks of the uh uh the draw of the draw there. Less wins but far better for and against. So they managed to get in. Uh so very, very interesting game this one here. Eels did not play their best football through stretches of this season, especially when they took on some of the better teams in this competition in the Canberra Raiders and the Penrith Panthers. But when push came to shove, they really figured it out in in the final series so far.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that we spoke with Nathan Brown about this earlier, but that way that they turned around the two defensive efforts, but most notably when... They played the Canberra Raiders last time and they had 42 points put on them to have a scenario where last week against the same team in a finals match, they only had six points that were scored by the Raiders in that game. Such a complete turnaround. Parramatta's tactics worked to perfection. They took all of the key threats out of that Canberra team, just removed their threat almost completely. We saw the Raiders, they signalled how how much they were committed to this qualifying grand final qualifier by bringing back Chevy Stewart, mm-hmm. who'd been playing up in Fleg and New South Wales Cup. And they brought him back for this match, he, for that match. He wasn't even listed in the team. He was a late inclusion. I think it was fair to say that Parramatta always suspected that uh, yeah, it was, definitely- was going to be.
1: You, you prepared for that game with the idea that he would play a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and, and we saw that with the the kicking game that really nullified the attack that he brings to the team. And the other thing, of course, was that he was he was ducking in at dummy half in that first the first time that they played them down in Canberra, and uh, he scored. He did he score a couple of tries, maybe his from first dummy try was half. from
1: dummy half. One hundred percent. That was in the first half, at the end of the first half. And then there was one try that was, I think two tries down the blind side, uh, down the right edge. And one of them would have been from dummy half at least. So he scored a couple, yeah.
0: Yeah. And he ducked in there a few times on the weekend and attempted to do the same. And they were just awake up to everything that he was throwing at them. You could tell that the tip sheet, he obviously featured prominently in the tip sheet. Anything that was identified as a Raiders threat last week was there uh, and the Eels were able to shut down. So, And for context, what are systems, they gonna,
1: I was going to say that the Raiders averaged over 36 points a game this year in, in the SG ball uh, in terms of the regular season. So <laughs> the Eels did a fair job that in that game.
0: Oh, the anyone that hasn't – I'm going to assume that people have – had a look at the footage of the match, given that it was available there on New South Wales Rugby League TV or maybe people were like ourselves and got out to the game. But it was just that defensive commitment was phenomenal. And we've seen that in the in the two finals matches that they've played. They, they had one bad moment against uh, Wests where they didn't quite chase uh, a kick as well as they should have, and it resulted in a length of the field Mm try. But that red zone defence has been phenomenal. Just the way they just keep turning up to make the tackles. Now, we knew what the Raiders were going to throw against us last week. I talk about we in, in terms of you and I in our analysis of it, but we haven't seen too much of the Newcastle Knights this season. Last week, they were playing against the defending premiers, the Panthers, and were down 8-0 and came back to win that 10-8. That's, that's a phenomenal effort in itself. That straightaway tells you that they are a team that's got plenty to offer. And the fact that they only lost one game during the season tells you that they are a quality team as well. So we know a bit about Miles Martin. He's a player that we obviously didn't want the Eels to lose, but it's uh I guess that's the nature of junior rugby league is that you've gotta make sure that you get these young blokes locked up for a period of time and the window was there for the Knights to swoop on Miles. Now Miles actually came from the bush to Parramatta. So he was from outside our junior system, when we uh, when Anthony Field signed him, I think was he from around the Bathurst area? That sounds, I'm just trying to think.
1: That sounds right, but uh, I'm not 100 percent certain.
0: Yeah, yeah. So my apologies if I've got that wrong. I'm just trying to think back to um, conversations that were that would have been about four or five years ago now, yeah. because we, he was. He was very young when he was brought into the Eels system. I remember, I think the first time I saw him play was in a junior reps trial match, and he would have been all of about 14 or 15, and it was over in the... Correct me if I'm wrong. I am thinking it was in the St George area somewhere that um, was that particular day that I, I saw him play. In fact, it was the probably the first time that we saw Cody Parry play as well so he was very young um coming into into that particular trial match so anyway um again we a player that we didn't want to lose but now he's on the opposition team so he's not going to be any stranger to the players he's he's stayed good mates with a number of the players in the eels team so it's going to be interesting to see how that Uh, how that plays out. Yeah. Very good mates with uh, a number of the Eels players. So yeah, it's he, he's the captain. He's the sort of player where, you know, that he's going to be leading by example. Yeah. 100%. He's He's just
1: all energy, all involvement.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, but apart from that, there's, I mean, there's not too much that we can add about the way that uh, that they play. So, uh, mate, we I think the focus therefore turns on the Eels and how we play. Mm-hmm. So what's impressed you most outside of defence about this final series? Or, or does it all start and end with defence for you? I mean,
1: it is very hard to not start there because as, as we speak about so often at all levels of rugby league, you know, Strong defence carries you so far in these contests, so far. And obviously you've got to score points too. But uh, being the team that has that goal line grit and that ability to turn back your opposition when they get repeat sets and chances to score is such a difference maker. So the fact that the Eels have exemplified that in their two finals games thus far in 2023 bodes well. But as we saw with the Harold Matt 60s, they put on a defensive masterclass against Cronulla but came out against uh, Newcastle actually. Uh, funnily enough, Newcastle having a very good year in the junior reps. Uh, I think they got teams in all three uh, finals, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, no, no. The Tashgals the got the dogs and the roosters. Am I saying they got the, just the mats and the ball? But uh, they, they they came out a bit jittery, and that's all it takes, isn't it? It's just like one bad half to set you back so far. Uh, and the mats we saw rally in the second oh. half, but it was uh, too just too little, too late. Uh, so for the the ball, yeah, that that strong defense will be a great foundation, but. I suppose the big thing for me is that while there's been the, the mental miscues during the regular season, and I suppose that one kick return against um, uh, against the Western Suburbs West Price, uh yep. outside of that, um, when they when they put that behind them, we we've, we've finally got to see just how well balanced this team is, 60s. You know, uh, very good back line, especially with Blaise Talonghi now taking his place in the centres there, an outstanding forward pack, an impactful bench and a, a very very good spine. One of the best spines they've had in the junior reps for quite some time, from one, six, seven, and nine. So the fact that we've managed to see this team start to realise its potential and it hasn't culminated yet, but the fact that we started to see them realise their potential has been very enjoyable. And I think it, it yeah, it's a real shout as to how well constructed this team is. And like we said, we spoke with Brownie, the that sort of harmonic resonance between looking after your own district and going out and finding those key pieces elsewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm going to talk about is, was probably measured by their defence in that these matches are 70 minutes long and at different times through the season, we weren't seeing 70-minute performances from the team. We knew that they could put their foot on the accelerator to score tries at different points in the game. And for a lot of the wins, you'd see some tries scored in batches, and it'd be as if the they'd make a they'd make a decision that they were ready to pull the trigger at a particular point in the game, but then you'd get some errors or they'd just have some mental lapses and it would allow teams, to be in the contest where maybe they shouldn't have been. And you got some, you know, a couple of closer results than there should have been in the, in the the uh, in the regular rounds. But, albeit that it was a close game against the West Magpies, that was a high-quality contest, like a really physical contest that they played against the Magpies in week one. And if they weren't up for a contest that went right to that 70th minute last week, they wouldn't have emerged victorious because they really didn't wrap it up until that final try. I think it was, uh, it was Woodsy that yeah. scored yeah. the final try last week.
1: He's but, actually he's, uh, been a bit of a, a try pilfer in the final series, hasn't he? He uh, got one against Cam- uh, Canberra as well, so making a big impact on the scoreboard as well as on the field itself.
0: Well, see, the thing is, he's in these tries, he's picking his moment. So you're not seeing a whole lot of failed attempts at getting over from dummy half, and then that one where he gets over. Like he he picks his moments perfectly because he's delivering quality service to the players outside him. And as we saw last week, the defence was concerned about his option runners. Yeah, so yeah. concerned they about sold
1: what out. He, he just walked runners. over untouched. Yeah.
0: that that he was just able to get over himself. And he's had a number of times this year where, because, as I said, that quality of his service is so good, there, when the play gets close to the opposition line, they can't afford to over guard against him at any stage. And, And I guess the fact that he doesn't pull the trigger... On his own play, that often that they like basically they can't read him, and that was the that was that was what happened through a lot of the game. Was he going to get was he going to have a dart from dummy half in like just in the as the team was working through their yardage? Was he going to take someone up with him? Was he just going to snap a pass off the ground to the halves? It was he just mixed it up so much that it was. He was, he was almost impossible for the defence to read. i We've seen a lot of Matty Arthur over the years, and I would suggest that last week, where he already sets a high uh, benchmark, it was probably the best that I'd seen him
1: play. Well, you, you talk about his offence, but then up against the absolutely monstrous Canberra forward pack, he was cutting them in half too. A at least one error and had a couple of really strong hits. So, very good all-round game from Woods there. Yeah, it's a... But- it's a
0: yeah, but let's let's also let's also you you raised about the the spine there and what we've seen is how well they've been combining uh, and and again it's been one of those things that we've seen plenty of evidence of during the season but they've probably produced their best in the final as series as a unit
1: absolutely yeah they've been uh, in sync fantastically playing in and around the rock those link plays out wide. And I I mean, I, I know that Sanders and Lynn have done a very good job steering the team sixties, but it's hard not to talk about the spine without talking about ARPA, who has been probably the breakout star for the Eels this year in terms of the entire
0: campaign. Well the gate look, for a start, the game management from the halves last week was spot on. Ethan Sanders in the end as well was almost toying with It was a Moses with the game,
1: Moses-esque performance, wasn't it? In terms of that long uh, kicking game, yeah. high hang time, good direction and location, uh, and it was. It, it's the same way that Mitch does such a, a fantastic job nullifying some of the strong back frees in the NRL. Sanders did the same thing to possibly or arguably the best back free in the uh, SG Ball this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, ably supported by Josh Lynn there, and it's it's probably where. You'd look at them as a halves pairing and say that it's as a pairing, as a combination, it's really grown throughout the season, where their each of their performances have have lifted individually, but I feel that their strength as a combination has got better, uh, and that's probably been that's probably been important. But you mentioned uh, about Arpa at fullback, and he he's certainly given some standout moments throughout the season, I thought he he probably reached a, a peak of it with his performance, maybe about round five, round six, um, and then maybe had a couple of quieter games mm-hmm. by his standards towards the end of the season proper. But then he's just hit the afterburners again in the final series. That ability to either take the run himself or set up his outside play when he outside players when he chimes into the back line. We've seen the sort of threat that he provides, especially when you see him carrying the ball in both hands. Yeah, it's old school, but he does he does the right
1: thing, doesn't he? What the coaches love. Presents the ball in both hands right into the teeth of the defensive line so they don't know if he's going to run a pass or kick.
0: Yeah, and and because he's got that acceleration and he's got a good fend as well, when he decides to run himself. It's seen him slice through a number of times and uh, there was there was one game in particular, I think it was up at Kellyville earlier in this season where it, it felt, he probably only threw about two dummies but it felt like he threw about 20 dummies yeah, the, as I he was know, running through the line. About, yeah. So, yeah, just very, very deceptive and it just positions himself well at fullback also so um
1: yeah defensively he's very strong too yeah
0: yeah yeah and so the spine has been key uh this season there's been a number of injuries that they that we've had in the pack during the year they're mm-hmm. missing big LeBron um uh, from the team they've been missing him now for probably about uh, what about four or five weeks? Sounds right. Now I would think something, something like that. So he's he's had a um, an injury to his thumb from memory. He ended yes. up, I think, having an operation. Um, sorry, what was thumb or wrist?
1: I believe it was thumb. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So he was he was never going to be able to uh, finish in the campaign, which is a shame. Because he was on the round in some good form. Yeah, he'd started the season slowly because he'd missed the preseason uh with an injury and he's a big unit, like a really big unit. And if you see the size of of Big Lance in the front row and um well even Sam Duavati's a big enough bloke as as well, but to know that these these fellas who were units in themselves are not as big as LeBron. It's it gives you an idea of how how, how big LeBron is, and he needed that time to work his way into the games because mm-hmm. that the, yeah the first the first couple of games he he just he looked like he was struggling a bit because well really he didn't have the 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 match time yeah. in the, from preseason he didn't it, get any preseason. It, trial it's a games. it's
1: a reminder of how important the preseason is at any level, isn't it? You know, just being able to be properly conditioned coming into the trial so then get your match conditioning, then coming into the season proper. And and to his credit, he still created some sparks even without that preseason conditioning. It's just that you saw the downside of it too where he'd struggle in defense early on. But like you said, that was starting to go – he was starting to turn that corner and then breaks the farm. Just (laughs) a terrible luck there for the big man.
0: Well, we were seeing the number of minutes that he was playing coming off the bench increasing – every week and as those minutes were increasing so too was his confidence with his carries the the dents that he was putting in the opposition when he was uh, getting that time in possession and yeah it was a shame but take nothing away from the team because when you've got players like Sam Squire Kobe Hereford and in the forwards and uh Cody uh Cody Parry in the back line that aren't getting
1: surplus the requirements right now, exactly.
0: At the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it gives you an idea about the strength within this team. So it's yeah, it's uh, you you look at the team and you you say, Okay, this player contributes this, this player contributes that. There there are so many positives throughout the team because last week we we saw the sorts of um, strength that uh, well we had. Um, Sam was starting off the bench last week.
1: Yeah, and to talk about making an impact off the uh, the bench, uh, he was one yeah. of the best on field and yeah, ab- absolutely huge to the Parramatta paramaterials victory there. And look, St- Sam's a player that we've spoken about so highly for so long. Uh, actually, he he was named on the bench but was thrown into the starting team just before kickoff end up playing big minutes against Canberra. Uh, but, yeah, the, that sort of game wasn't a surprise to our 60s. might have been a surprise to the neutral seeing you know, uh, because he's not highly touted outside the paramount system right now, uh, but he should be. Well, thankfully he isn't right now in terms of retention, but, well, yeah, he's a... Well,
0: uh, Yeah, I should have said named on the bench yeah. rather than starting off the bench. So yeah. he was named on the bench last week, but he's just straight out named... Yeah, and this time, this
1: time he gets the number 10 on his back. Uh, so no mind games there from the Paramount Reals. They're, they're putting all their cards on the table in that starting team, unless it's double mind games, and they put him back to the bench to to, <laughs> to mix things up. But no, uh, the thing with Sam and Lance is that they, and, and Saxon too. I mean, you really can't talk about the middle free out Saxon. or for even no, kind of, Can
0: I just say as well, that I thought last week was Saxon's best performance this season. Yeah. It, w- it reminded me of what he brought to the Jersey flag team right at the end of their season last year when he got a few runs with the uh, right at the end of their year. And he, the game that he played, and I think it was against Newcastle in the final game of last year. And from memory, Newcastle was sitting... Right up,
1: the second. Top. I think they were second going into the finals second, last year. Yeah,
0: they, yeah. Were, they were very and good in the, in the flag last year. Got, yeah, the eels, the eels got a win, and eels didn't qualify for the finals in flag last year. They beat the knights in that final round, and Saxon just took the tough carries into the meat of the ruck last year. He's a real workhorse. He he was one of the group of players that enjoyed the time with the NRL squad a couple of days a week prior to Christmas. The, the, the group that was mostly the Jets players from the flag and the SG ball team. And he, yeah, I I thought that that was his best performance of the season last week. He was just, his motor was just unbelievable last week.
1: And, uh, the final member of that trio of prop 60s, Lance for Lima. It's funny that we sort of talked about LeBron earlier because, in a way, I think Lance had a, a similar path with Parramatta where last year, obviously, LeBron joins the Eels in his senior year of SG Boy eligibility, so he'll move on the flag next year. But last year, when Lance joined us, uh, you know, it probably wasn't looking at it, reflecting back on that campaign, you know, he didn't have the greatest debut season as an Eel. I- But you think about, you know, making that move interstate, finding your feet at a new club, you know, sort of just getting used to the culture of a new club. You know, all those things take time and, you know, it's a reminder that you can't expect everyone to come into a new system and just hit the ground running. And, you know, a bit of patience there for Lance. I say a bit of patience, like the bare minimum of patience, right? It's not like we've had to wait years for him to come good. You know, less than 12 months of him being in the system and suddenly he's now, you know, found his feet and looking like an outstanding middle, uh, middle forward prospect, and, yeah, he's been so good this season. You know, just really strong post-contact meters. He he is a... I know LeBron's bigger, but he is a very large and imposing human being, isn't he? Oh. A...
0: If you... Anyone that has concerns about whether a particular player will perform against bigger bodies than junior reps, only <laughs> just to go out and, and watch junior reps... Not not on not on um on television or, or on um live streams. You really need to get an appreciation of the size of the players out there if you go out and you see it live yourself. We are talking about players running around there who are bigger than some NRL well than quite a number of NRL players. These these blokes are well, I don't know what they'd come in on, on the scales, but we're going way, way north of 100 kgs. And,
1: like, the smallest we're... member of the starting pack, Dom DeStratis, you'd say, 60s? So like, not not counting the dummy half Maddie half, because that's a spine. Like, Dom DeStratis is the smallest member of his forward pack, and he's not exactly small by any means.
0: Oh, Dom and Raph are built like the proverbial brick outhouses. They're, they are just really... Um, Chiselled units that and, and bring such physicality to the game, and um, and it's almost like if if one isn't playing one week uh, due to injury because that's that's happened, and then his place is taken in the starting lineup. Like if Dom's not playing and Raf comes in uh, instead of starting off the interchange bench, and it's almost like. The, and and I know there are subtle differences to how they play, but you almost don't miss any qualities from the from them because the other bloke comes in, he performs exactly the same. Yeah. They are they are twins. They are built very similarly, obviously, and they are they both have that winning mentality, just that competitive uh, determination about how they play. But yeah, just getting back to the size of, of the players. I think where it comes down, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead, what it comes down to is there is a difference between playing against big age players and playing against men, right? The, where everyone on the field is older, they've been through a, a little bit more in their rugby league journey. Maybe they play it a little bit tougher, a bit more competitive for longer periods of the game. So that's where it starts to Exactly. test test whether a player has that ability to deal with the physicality of the NRL it's that consistency of the collision and the contact and the and I guess dealing with the that competitive edge that NRL players regular NRL players have in their game and we might, be, we might be critical and other supporters might be critical of certain NRL players. But believe me, if you have got to the level of playing NRL, you are already elite. Even if you, people don't talk about you as elite or if people are critical of how you play, there is something about your game that's got you to that level. And, um, you know, where, whether it's you whether there's players who end up out of form or whatever the case may be, there's still, these are players that have got to the pinnacle of the game. And if we can get these young blokes to be able to uh, move through the grades, prove that they can compete against more seasoned players, it's almost like you don't want to rush them but by the same token, you don't when they're when they're good enough, they're going to be yeah, old enough that, if, if that makes sense there's
1: definitely a balance there, but in this day and age you need to be as aggressive as you can be without without burning out a prospect when it comes to player development because the NRL is so results orientated, isn't it you know you need to have a, a pipeline of talent constantly refilling you know when you get poached or you lose players or injury strikes. You know, there's so many different factors that you're constantly looking to refill the top-end talent.
0: Yeah. So just going through the team, and we said we're going to talk a little bit of that these players, they've got something that they can all offer individually, plus as a unit. We I spoke last week about the feedback that I'd had about just how tight the bonds are within this team. It is a really tight unit, of players, they back each other, and and they're, I, they had that trust in the bloke next to them, like they they really are a tight knit group. But individually, like we've seen what they're now able to produce when they when they perform as a team for seventy minutes. So as a team for seventy minutes, I'm going to back them to get the grand final done. But just a just around what what we've been seeing, the we've got the both we've spoken about Arpa. We've got both wingers that are holding out. Cody Parry. How many tries did Cody Parry score at the start of he, the season? He was definitely
1: the leading try scorer in the competition. He was on fire early on, and then got nicked up with a groin. I think it was sixties.
0: Was it a groin? Oh, I, there, there, I, was some, I, there was some leg injury,
1: and yeah, yeah,
0: and, you it, know, it kept him it kept him out for. From I think probably about round four or five for the for the rest of the regular season. And so
1: Devonta Vivella came into the team who's also played centre when uh we had injuries to both Penicini and Tulungi in the mix. So he showed some versatility there. Muhammad Al Madin, who uh was a Harold Matz fullback sixties and has done a very Last good job Yeah, was done a very good job transitioning to the flank where I think he it might be his best position. He, he plays well, very well
0: he's player. got he's got He's got that brave carry through the middle. Yeah, that of the
1: ruck. that grit hasn't he? Like he's not afraid to get dirty, work out of the the sort of the danger zone, and get his team on the front foot. There can finish a try pretty solidly as well. So uh, been good to see him, you know, showing some real uh, good form on the flanks.
0: Well, if we're talking about this evolution of the of the modern game of rugby league, where you see your back five doing a lot of those carries. When you're bringing the ball back from a kick, and that's where the back five have been doing, getting that job done. And gee, we saw some uh, brave carries from all of them last week. And um, and you mentioned earlier about Blaze. Now, as we know, for those who aren't familiar with Richard Pennacini. He's a different build to Will. He's taller,
1: the more classical NRL sort of build, isn't it? For outside backs yeah. these days,
0: correct, correct. He, he's 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 more in that uh, that mould that you'd like that you that you see that can um, you know could possibly play even on the wing because of a bit more height mm-hmm. as well. So uh, he's done he's done a good job outside of his injury this year, and and of course that's where we saw. Um, the likes of Devontae Vivella playing in the centers rather than out on the wing and uh but Blaze la- Blaze last week mm. i thought that that was probably his best game since returning from his foot injury it,
1: he, he's been really flashing throughout that entire period but that was definitely his best whole game and it, it's just a reminder of how damaging getting a good center early ball can be you know he, he threatened every time he had the ball and I think he beat his opposite pretty much every time he was given a little bit of early service, creating opportunities for Vivella down that right edge pretty much every time. So that's definitely got to be one of the, not the game plan, but one of the prongs of Parramatta's game plan coming in into Saturday is getting Blaze some early ball to spot up two-on-two two against the opposition outside backs.
0: Well, see, a lot of people have, and myself included, have made comparisons between... Uh, Blaze and Dylan Brown. And that comparison was basically because both of them play a very physical brand of rugby league. They enjoy the defence or appear to enjoy the defence as as much as they do in the attack. Now, with uh, Blaze being out at the start of the season, he wasn't being, when he was coming back, and with Josh Lynn and Ethan Sanders cemented as the halves, when he came back, he was he was going to be playing at centre. Now, one of the things that, def- that you get asked of, is, of a centre is your defensive decisions mm-hmm. are really under the microscope because you're going to be asked to make more one-on-one tackles. You're going to be asked to make defensive decisions when the – defensive line is more spread and if you miss your assignment either with the decision about which way you're going to move or in the execution of your tackle that can straight out just be leading to points for the opposition and his reads last week and I'd have to say the brutality of the tackles that he made like you you describe some of them perfectly in your blog about I think there was one where you pretty much described him cutting the opposition player in half with uh with what he executed that brings that brings a real added dimension I think to the Eels defensive game to have he, he as defense out in the centers the other thing too of course is that with being able to set up your outside man, he brings the the skills of the 5'8 that he was before that. And his his pass selection is is only going to... Like, the more he plays at centre, the more it's going to be an important component of his game. Uh, like, a, a, I shouldn't just say an important component. I mean, it's going to bring quality to that position. So moving forward, I don't know where Blaze saw himself before this season, where he saw whether he saw himself as a specialist five eight, but I think he's got real he, potential. He to, he does,
1: and that, that's the thing is that if he the, if he commits to this transition to the centers, then you know, we we saw, you know, we talked about being aggressive with junior development and you know, fast tracking and whatnot. But there there is every opportunity for him to make a real run at this towards a not not, you know, rushed, but expedited in a real debut. If he continues to develop and, and make that position his own, the Eels have a need in the back line. Will Peniseni is obviously a star at one position, but we have we've had problems with the other position. So, you know, yeah not not necessarily in you know the immediate future, but looking with an eye towards the the nearish future. You know, if he, he can continue this track and he looks very, very good, you know, he's a natural ball runner. The fact that he enjoys defense is such a huge tick compared to so many prospects that come out of the juniors. So, yeah, Blaze, very, very talented. Uh, Richard Pedersen, And what we, too. Have
0: to, what we should also mention as well is that this was Blaze's first season up in the SG ball, wasn't it? Like, he was Harold Matz last year.
1: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. He's 18 years old this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he he missed the entire sort of regular season pretty much, barring the last round, I think, against Penrith, uh, close to. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's done a pretty good job.
0: Yeah, yeah. So talk to me too now about um, the move of Charlie Gleimer from uh, Locke, to the edge and what you think that's going to mean for the
1: team and uh, i mean I, I know that there's other players in this team still to talk about in terms of the interchange but it is fitting that we saved charlie as the final member of that starting team to talk about because you mentioned that camaraderie in this team 60s and i think that probably starts and ends with their captain in who who is you know been a real tower you know of uh consistency and excellence for the team you know what what could have been a very difficult season for him, 60s. Uh, a centre, well, I say a centre by trade. He was a 5'8", come centre by trade in the Parramatta system, uh, who was then again tasked with another move into the back row this year where he played the majority of his games at lock forward in you know a, a huge jump from centre to a different position, position there. And he's again showing his versatility and the ability to play both lock forward and on an edge. Did that against Canberra and... Yeah, the, the big thing, I suppose, that speaks towards that effort that we spoke about at the very start of this podcast is the physicality and defense that he brought in that game. And Canberra really aimed up at him with their defensive efforts and they, they hit him hard a couple of times and he just bounced back up with the ground every time. You know, just got back up and played the yep. ball out a fuss. And that, that really is, not, that's not all there is to his game, but that is really the foundation of his game because what follows after that is the intelligence and the nuance. Uh, You know, when you have players that play tough but also smart, you know they're going to go far. And Charlie's got that yep. to his game. He knows how to run the def lines. He knows, you know, what because of his time in the centres and at 5'8", he knows what his playmakers are looking for. And he, yep. he knows the subtleties and the nuances to those runs and the timings to get them right. Uh, but, you know, what really lays the table for the the subtlety is, it's, you know, like the old, uh, the adage of like a, a sort of male. Uh, male fist, like you know, the armored fist covered in like velvet. You know, he, he plays tough, but there is that veneer of uh, subtlety.
0: Yes, and and because he has that background of previously playing center, and he's he also played a bit of edge last uh, in, in the juniors before he's made this um, uh, transition into the um, into that lock role. I don't think it's going to be too too much of an issue for him to be playing as as you know to move from that from a middle role to that edge no. role. So um now I look I I would also just want to go back a little bit because I mentioned about how Blaze was playing in the in the Harold Mats last year so he's he, it was his first year in Harold Matts he could play SG Ball again next season. Let me also add the add these names to it as well. Uh, Mohammed Alamadine mm-hmm. first year up. We, we in mentioned it was Harold Bat's ball.
1: fullback last year. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yep. Richard Pennacini was the centre in Harold Bat's last year. Um, Sam Tuavati. So, here's a frightening prospect for anyone that's going to play SG ball next year. Sam Tuavati could play SG ball again next year.
1: Could could might be the operative Ar- worth right there
0: though. <laughs> yeah, Matty Arthur.
1: First year SG ball. Yeah.
0: SG ball again next year. Um the one of the the one of the fresh reserves, Kobe Herford, mm-hmm. could play SG ball again next year. Um Sebastian Piacala could play SG ball again next year. It's um it, it gives you an idea about the youth in that team and when you start to see any of those names appearing in the Jersey flag squad in the weeks going ahead, it, that is also a pointer towards where what is what is potentially what is the ceiling for these young players. Uh, I talked about if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting that they think. A lot of these players will be good enough to be playing SG uh, jersey flag, and I think that there will be. Um, and, and look, let's face it: you, you had Ethan Sanders was playing jersey flag last year, and they made the decision to give him a full season in SG ball this year. And look, I, I also wonder as well whether the injury to Blaze had a bit to do with that uh, I it's it's something that I never sought an answer on but given that we'd lost one of the players that was planned to be in the halves for this season it sort of would have made sense but I reckon Ethan's I I don't think it's hurt him in any way to be playing the this season and getting into the grand final in the and, SG ball probably doing so, combinations
1: of the players that will be uh, eventually, there in flag with him as well. So it's not, yeah. you know, like we've spoken highly about the effort that the flag teams put on the field this year. A lot of those players are going to hold their places, or at the very minimum, force stiff competition from the the ball guys coming in. But you know, the reality is, this ball team is also very talented, and they're going to push hard for those flag spots.
0: Yep. Yeah. Now i I just got your opinion on uh, Charlie Guimer's uh, shift. Let's now turn the attention to the interchange. Uh, what's your what's your takes on our on our interchange bench?
1: I, I think our interchange has been really strong all season 60s. Uh, I've, I've been really happy with I think all I mean these four players here have been the regular fixtures uh, or whether William Lewis has been starting and then you'd have you know whoever' like, you know, Lance or Sam on the interchange as well just depending on the, the balance that they want in their rotation in a given game. but the four players here, Kala, Lewis Spence and uh, Raftstratus, uh been very, very happy with him all season. Uh Seb uh has been a, a very good impact guy. Um I think, you know in in uh the season past I probably would have been a bit concerned about his uh error rate, but I think this year he's been very good. The impact's been great without uh costly errors. Uh Lewis has been Well see so really he's
0: someone like he's someone who likes that second phase football doesn't yes,
1: he? Exactly and he's been he's always
0: for that offload. Yeah, and he's been
1: uh more effective and more efficient with those offloads this season. So uh knock on board that carries true into the grand final. Will Lewis has been a just a real goer. I mean, that's probably one of the sort of unifying terms for a lot of the forwards, isn't it? Just been goers, you know, they just get stuck in, and, and Will Lewis really embodies that. Uh, he brought some aggression as well in terms of his uh off the ball efforts. He he would be looking to go after kickers, not uh you know dangerously. Um, but he'd be looking to let them know that they're not getting their kicks off uh, freely. And then uh, uh, Raph the Stratus, we we sort of spoke about him when we spoke about Dom. Um, both both of the Stratus boys uh, incredibly fit, uh, probably some of the best on and off the ball effort players I've seen in our system ever. Uh, I think I don't think that's a under I don't think that's overselling it. There sixty sorry, uh, their their efforts to pressure kickers, to lead kick chasers, to be the first one to dive on a loose ball. Um, I think it's as good as we've seen in the junior repre- uh, Parramatta's junior representative systems uh, since we, we started covering them. Um, and, you know, that's what makes them such uh, great players to, I suppose, as a coach to have in the roster is that, yes, they're very good players with the ball in hand. Defensively, they're very sound. They run good lines. They're tough. Uh, you know, uh, Dom as a starter probably gets more opportunities, but the post-contact meters are outstanding, but it's their off-the-ball efforts that you know make a huge difference to this team. So, uh, you know both Raf and Dom are outside in that capacity. And that leads me to Paddy Spence. And we've spoken about Patty in other previews and that he's he's probably done the transition earlier than you'd see in the past to becoming this utility, but that's also a reflection of where the game is at now, in that the position he now plays is an important one to the team. Uh when you when you in the past were the guy that made that transition to oh yeah you're a fullback but Going to put you into this utility role, you're going to play a bit of dummy half, bit of centre, a bit of fullback when it pops up. You know, that that once upon a time was like almost a death knell to your development, wasn't it, 60s? Where, you know, you go through, maybe play some jersey flag, and if you wanted to stick with football, you play into, into the equivalent of cup or thereabouts, but you wouldn't get to see NRL. It's actually a special position now, and, and Paddy Spence has a chance to become the guy at Parramatta where, you know, we're, we're seeing Brendan Hans being that guy right now in NRL. Being a guy that can play. Fullback, centre, and obviously wing there too, uh, back row, uh, dummy half, like, you know, or to uh, not necessarily excellent degrees, but to, you know, a, a competent degree is incredibly valuable to this team. And Paddy Spence has done that tremendously this year. Early in the season, he was caught upon the play in the centres when uh, I think Richard Pennesini busted his shoulder, and, and obviously uh, Blaze wasn't available because of that foot injury, and he did a great job. And here he yep. deputized Matty Arthur. He can also work in the middle forward rotation. So, yeah, he he has done a great job making that transition. And it's a credit to a young man that was once playing fullback, which is obviously one of the marquee positions in football these days, that he's sort of got the head on his shoulders to say, oh, I'll take on this new job and make it my own.
0: Yeah. I I mean, you are right. Like, in the past, if you had a coach or a coaching director or someone – within a, a, a club system, say to you, okay, I know you're a fullback or I know you're a halfback or or whatever the case may be, but, you know, I want you to start picking up the skills in this position or that position because we'd like you to cover that as well. You're probably – the first thought you're probably thinking is, oh, you don't think I'm good enough in this position. Oh, okay. And like you said, that it, it, it's – there's been players in the past who have they've moved clubs, or they've mm-hmm. um or, or, or they've taken it as a negative, and and maybe to an extent in the past maybe it has been a, a negative for a player, but in this instance, we saw uh, Paddy Spence playing re like a really good fullback role when he was in the Harold Matz team. He. He's that committed to the that changing role for him that he added eight kilogram eight kilograms to his frame to come into this season. Now that is significant. And that wasn't just you
1: know eating uh, Big Macs every week at Macca's. That was actually good weight. So he's you know he's worked hard for it.
0: Well, we saw that um, that he he still had that pace because he's been required to play at centre. Mm-hmm when when he's, when he's covered for injuries. And this is the value of someone like that on the bench because you're still needed for your rotation. You've got, most interestingly, he, he was probably expecting that he was going to get a bit of match time as a dummy half. And when you've got someone like Matt Arthur who can play the full match without getting any, any of a break your coach isn't going to take you off the field isn't going to take him off the field. Like you don't program in and say, Oh, look at the, at the 25th minute of the first half, I'm going to take Matt Arthur off and, and, and put my uh, bench dummy half into the, into the play because Matt Arthur's 69th and 70th minutes of the match are going to be just as strong yeah, well, as his first, second, or third minute of the if match. If not some it's of his just... most
1: clutch minutes as well, as we've seen in the last two weeks.
0: Correct. Correct. So um, you you want him on there in the closing minutes of halves as much as you want him on in the starting minutes of the halves as much as you want him on in the in the grind of the halves. So, But the fact that uh, Paddy has, has picked up some... Dummy half skills in his in his training means that he can cover that position even though he hasn't been needed there. As I said, we've seen him at, in the centre role. Uh, there was that that try that he scored where he ran must have been about seventy metres to score a, a up at uh, a match. At, I can't remember who the opposition was at Kellyville, but it was he was out in the clear and looking looking to see support. And then he then he realized as he crossed the halfway line that he probably had the pace to go the rest of the way to get there, which is what he did. Uh, a bit of a goose step towards the end as some of the uh, cover defense came across, but he got there. And as you said, we've, we've seen him uh, play out in the backs, in the forwards, part of the rotation. So he's really made a fist of that. And it will be interesting to see how he progresses as that specialist uh, bench, uh, interchange player that can cover both backs and forwards. And there's not too many of them currently within the NRL. It's really such a recent phenomena that if you are developing a player in that role, that's that's probably almost a, um, a unique position to be in for the club, to, to have someone coming through that is is going to a fill specialist in. generalist. That specialist generalist, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mate, um, we've spent a, a, an extended time this week looking at the at the team as a group. We've looked at them as individuals. What are you expecting now this weekend, this Saturday?
1: I, I think it's going to be a tough game. I, I look at Newcastle's run through the finals. Uh, the fact that they Came back from a, you know, it's eight nil hole against the reigning premiers in the Panthers, and we were able to put it together in the second half and, and shut out the Panthers on route to a ten eight win. Shows that they have probably got some of the similar qualities that the Parramatta Eels have. Um, you know, that means that they're going to they've got the grit, they've got the ability to play with their backs against the wall uh, when it counts, uh, and they you know, they spanked the Roosters in week one of the finals 35-10. So they've also got the ability to pile on points. So in that game, it looks like a lot of our outside backs, unsurprisingly, uh, featured Kyle Colburn, bagged the uh, hat-trick, Taj Blackman in the half scored a try. You got, uh, who else was there in there? Uh, Malachi Smith got a double as well. And Malachi plays, what does he play? Uh, He's that dummy half, which means you've got to watch for the ability to run from there. So they've they've got to be...
0: Yeah, I I should say that I... I'd heard some raps about their their dummy half. Yeah, so so
1: he, he's obviously a threat with the ball in hand, the ability to... I'm, I'm not sure if he scored from close range, which is very common in the junior representatives. We've seen dummy halves always take advantage of sloppy market defence. Uh, so they're, they're clearly a pretty well-balanced team, 60s. They've got some strikeout in the back line. They've got a, a crafty dummy half. Uh, we know that in the forward pack, Miles Martin is going to be dragging that team with him, regardless if they were good or not, and obviously they are good. He was going to be leading the way uh, hammering the ball up with the guts. So, yeah, this is going to be a tough game. But based on what we've seen in the two games Parameter play where they had to come from behind against the Magpies and where they just had a brilliant game plan and executed it outstandingly against the best team in the competition in Canberra, they've absolutely got the chops to do this. So it's going to come down to having a yeah. balance of executing the game plan, completing your sets, and then that natural talent that's in this team, one of the best SG ball teams we've put together in a long time, uh, giving them the opportunity to combine and create those chances, and the spine, I think, are going to be crucial to this. Uh, early ball for Blaise Talangi and letting that big forward pack just rip in. So it's you know it's not nothing fancy, you know it is very much rugby league one on one there, but that's rugby league.
0: Yeah i I'm expecting that you are going to have another focused performance from the Eels. It's almost been like they've needed to be in the business end of the season to get that focused 70 minute performance out of them uh, because that defensive effort over the last 2 weeks has been it's been their best of the season i mean congratulations to steve oday for really getting them to play like they are playing right now I mean we, we spoke about the talent that's there but you've you've got to have a coaching staff that are good uh, man managers yep to get the best out of their team yeah there's and, also the
1: tactical element but also the player management element and that's uh
0: yeah that, that's
1: the hard part of coaching is in the 60s because anyone can read a book and, and understand tactics but getting players to be up for these big games is crucial.
0: Yeah, uh, we we know that once they get out on the field, that they've they've got good generals out there, not just in the captain Charlie Geimer, but they they are they are managed well by that spine. They've got the forwards that are going to lay a, a strong foundation there. They've got a bit of explosive quality in the backs. So, look, I'm and, and of course. 've they've, they've got the the interchange bench that's going to keep the keep the quality of the football up when they come onto the field. without having not seen the Knights play this season, it's and we weren't I wasn't out there early enough at Leichhardt able to to see the Knights in action. I, I was out there just for the um, for the two Parramatta games that's last all, week. Yeah. Uh, but you you got to give respect to uh, uh, what they've achieved this year. And as I said, when they've only lost one match this season, they're worthy grand final opponents. They finished ahead of the Eels by virtue of the fact that they only lost that one game and had a superior for and against to the Eels. So I think it's going to be a cracking grand final. I'm not going to make any predictions about the score. I don't think I can. But... Um, if we can, if we go into the match with that same defensive resolve, it's going to go a long way to securing victory. There's big things ahead for a lot of these players, but right now that job is to get is is to get a title for the Eels. It's been um, a little while since we've had an SG Ball title. Um, what, what's the number of years now? It would have been 2018, the, wasn't it? The one that. It would have been the one that um, Dylan Brown. Yeah,
1: the twenty eighteen SG ball. I'm pretty certain where we played Cronulla. Uh, let me just quickly, quickly check. Going back to the archives here, or was it twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen was yeah, because Dylan played uh, the Harold, the Holden Cup Grand Final that year, right? Twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thirty to twenty two was when we defeated the Sharks, which I believe Jamin Samuel was on the other side of the field. Uh yes, Ronaldo as well, Teague Wilton. So you see some uh, fruits of development for Cronulla there. Who else is there? Well, Bronson Sherry. Uh, who else? Luke Metcalf is at the Warriors now. Uh, Franklin Pele is at the Bulldogs. And that's it, I think, for the, the development side there. For the Parramatta Reels, well, Hayes Dunster. Uh, you got Dill Brown. you got Matt Dory. Sharbell Tasapali's over at Newtown via Cronoa. And that's it on that side. So, yeah, I mean, it's a reminder that as many misses as you get in these teams, if you're making the SG Ball final, grand final, there's a good chance you're going to have three or four first graders in that team.
0: And this may well be... uh, Look, I don't want to put in pressure. I, I won't make any calls right now about how many first graders are in this, potential first graders... Are in this Eels team. Let's just get the job done this week. It's been a much better junior representative campaign this year across the grades. All three We've had all, of the all three mm-hmm. grades in the final series. We had two in the grand final qualifiers. Now we've got a, a, a team in the grand final. And let's wish them all the best. Um, let's wish both teams um, an injury free in grand final. Yeah. 100%. And and that all the players have uh, the the chance to go on with their football for the rest of this season because the junior rep campaign is um, their their season is over now. So whether they they're going back to their clubs or whether they're continuing on with their uh, with the their respective teams at the at the flag jersey flag level. Whatever the case may be, good luck to all of them, but especially good luck to our Parramatta Eels. Let's bring home the title and uh, we'll have your live blog 40 coming from Leichhardt Oval. And let's hope it's a repeat of 2017, which was also from memory at Leichhardt Oval. It was, That yes, uh, grand final. Yeah. So um, thank you for listening to us today. And uh, we will have our normal preview episode of The Tip Sheet with the uh, senior grades this week. This, is this has been our special preview, and all I can say is go you Eels. Yeah,
1: always an absolute privilege to be able to cover cover a grand final 60s. So thanks everyone for stopping by and listening to this special edition of The Tip Sheet. We'll catch you guys in the next episode.